Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. Today I'm releasing my episode with Camilo, Camilo Ursurga, uh, and Camilo has a lot of interesting things to say about the theme I came down here to investigate about what are the differences between building a company outside of San Francisco and building a company inside of San Francisco. Camilo has experienced both ecosystems and he's tried it in both, so he has a lot of interesting things to say. And also I later reached out to him for an interview in Spanish as well. Uh, so I'll be publishing that one as well. So look at, look out for that one. If you do want to listen to that one in Spanish, if this one is really good and you want to listen to that one, uh, go ahead and follow Crazy Wisdom ESP on Twitter. Again, that's Crazy Wisdom ESP, ESP for Espanol. Uh, if you speak Spanish and you want to uh, get a little bit of a nuance into this discussion we're about to have. Hope you enjoy it. And as always, please find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the major podcasting platforms, and go ahead and give us a review and subscribe. Uh, have a great day. Thank you. Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. My guest today is Camilo Ursurga. He is the CTO and Director of Product Development for Talos Digital. Uh, welcome. Hey, Stuart. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to have you here in Atalus. Very excited to, to talk to you and interview you. And we're going to talk today about creativity and stress within the context of starting a company in Medellin, investment, and just general, like, what it, what it means to start a company here. Uh, and can you give a little bit of background on both you and Talos? Yeah, sure. Uh, I've been, um, I'm a computer scientist. I work, uh, basically, my background is, like, development. I started uh, Talos, like, almost one year ago. Uh, before that, I founded a couple of startups, and I worked in a, a failed startups before. So I've been working with the startups like basically all of my life. Mm, interesting. And have you spent much time in the Bay Area too? I I did. I actually it was funny because it was like 2017, no 2008 or 2000, 2009, something like that. And uh, I basically went there. I I spoke with people from Sequoia Capital, from Google Ventures, from uh, some other investment groups and uh, basically we were too small, too young, too naive to actually receive investment. Mm. And uh, we were kind of aware of that. I mean, it was it was funny because it was a meeting with uh, Sequoia Capital and we were like, oh my God, we're Sequoia, oh my God. And there was the, the guy who did the interview was uh, is the current CEO of uh, Nubank uh -huh. in Brazil. Uh -huh. And he was like, okay, what do you want? And he was like, listen, we are aware that we're like, we're, our product is like dying or going downwards. So we're not actually looking for capital. But it was, but it would, I mean, it would be interesting to understand your perspective, understand what we did right, what we did wrong. And it was, it was uh, helpful. It was a uh, very, very interesting. Hmm. And so what are the main sources of stress that entrepreneurs and founders deal with here in Medellin or in Latin America in general? Okay. One of the things you have to understand is like when you start a business in Latin America. I, I would I would say I wouldn't say in Medellin specifically. Like basically Latin America, like you're like you're uphill. I mean, we, we were joking the other time because we like, when you start, for example, in San Francisco, you're like closer to the to the to the top. When you when you're when you start a business in in the United States, you start like middle ground. When you start in Latin America or some other developing regions, you start like like very very bottom. So every, everything is a challenge. So not only from the legal perspective, from the like actually hiring, like building the company, opening a bank account, uh, line of credit, uh, buying a desk, buying the chairs, that kind of stuff. 
It's like super complicated. And it takes more time, takes more energy. Everything, everything generates friction here. It's like mm -hmm. Colombia or Latin America is made to, from friction, like to make sure that you have enough friction to start a fire. <laughs> and that's basically what's happening. So, you know, the stress that you have to handle here, like as, a, as an entrepreneur here in, in Colombia, is special because, you know, you're basically you're competing with talent for a bunch of other companies. and. Uh, just just testing you, your idea so everybody will try to rob you every, every i mean on the on the digital world uh, or you know what you you were telling me about the for example autonomous robots or scooters stuff like that you have to assume that somebody's going to try to steal that mm -hmm. and you have to the the for example i had a, an e-commerce site uh, one of my one of my startups was uh, called cactus and it was like e-commerce social e-commerce so there was a month, a special month, when everything everything was going super well, super well, and we were selling a lot in middle middle cities, not not not, not like big cities in Colombia, but like small mm. middle kind mm. of cities, and everything was a fraud. I mean, they were using stolen credit cards, or <laughs> you know, you know, like oh, holy crap. So ca what can we do about that? And it's like you have to assume this is the worst case scenario for everything. So that's, I mean, it's good because if your product success succeed here, it's going to be good worldwide. But if it doesn't, okay, so probably you didn't pass the test on the, mm. you know, like hard, hardcore level. Mm. So it's super competitive. And what we know from competition is that competition makes you rise your game. But at the same time, it makes a much bigger failure rate. Right. Well. It's, it's, I mean, let me give you an example. Let's, let's say you're studying an e-commerce site. So you have to uh, to assume that like a big part of your transaction will be like will be like uh, stolen credit cards kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. If you're building a service company, they will try to copy your model, or they will try to steal the people that you're like. For example, this uh, cleaning ladies kind of stuff. They're gonna try to just hire the the girl, the girl directly. When you, when they started over here, for example. One well, of the main problems was that you got the contact of the guy directly. So you basically called the guy directly and just keep the commission. Yeah. And there was a lot of there was a lot of guys actually trying to do that, actively trying to do that. So everything is like like a financial institution, financial fintech, you know, startups. Like you have to understand that it's gonna be your startup is gonna be used for money laundry mm -hmm. or some other crazy schemes. Mm -hmm. So you have to take that, you know, all of that and, and, and consider, like when you do that from, from, for example, in Europe or, or United States, some of those things, of things you, you assume, like, okay, the law is going to take care of that. No, 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 not here. You have to do it yourself. This is something interesting because that's a new thing. Previously, I was thinking that there's three different things that Latin America needs to work on to build it is the financial infrastructure, education, and e-commerce institutions. But now you're taught bringing in another institution, which is like rule of law and stuff like that, which is which is much more difficult here, right? Yeah. Every, every single thing is gonna be complicated. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to understand that, for example, when, the, when the, there was the financial crisis in the States, that all the banks were collapsing, the banks here in, in Colombia, especially, were like reporting like thirty percent increase in sales or revenue kind of stuff. Mm. So banks are like untouchable here. Like they're really, really good. They're, they're like doing their, their their business. Adoption of digital digital products or digital banking is a different story, but they're catching up. But anyway, they have to consider that there's going to be a, a risk for every single transaction. So what I've noticed, I've spent a lot of time in Latin America over the years. It's been about. 10 years now that I've started, I've been, I've been living in various Latin American countries for a long time. And back 10 years ago, it was extremely difficult to do anything finance related. 
is that changing now? Like, is is it easier? Are some of these friction points becoming easier? It's I, I you know, when when I created my first startup, uh, it was like basically t- ten years ago or something like that. Just opening an account was a nightmare. Uh, you have to have friends at the bank or somebody that's like, yeah, yeah I know those guys. It was not a credit account. It was a savings account to actually receive money. So it was like super complicated. Things are getting as uh, are getting easier from the developer. There's actually banks who has some sort of uh, like entrepreneurial account or mm. pl- or business portfolio to actually ease your life. But anyway, you have to d- demonstrate this or that. You have to um, be in this program, and it's kind of it's kind of tricky. Still friction. Yeah, there's still a lot of friction. Uh huh. If anything has gotten easier, what what has it been? I think the access to information. I mean, you have and the access to understand. There's going to be a bunch of people understanding your problem, and there's going to be a lot of people understanding. This is the situation. This is the path you have to follow. Just like uh, bringing money from the states or from other country into the into the into Colombia, for example, mm-hmm. it was it was super hard. Now it's a little bit easier. You have there's a lot of process, and there's a, a bunch of people that will teach you how to do it properly. So it's easier from the legal and the um, and the legal perspective and the financial perspective to do it, there there's still a lot of friction though. And is that information does that exist in only in English or does it exist in Spanish too? No, it's uh it's in the heads of a bunch of people. Uh, interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 it's yeah. not it's not like you you'll see like this website when uh, how do I open an account kind of stuff. I I don't think there's anything like that. Interesting, because this is this is part of my goal in English, but also it's going to be in Spanish as well as to basically start to do a lot more interviews in Spanish so we can get that information that you're talking about that's people in people's heads right now yeah. and get it out basically to people who could use it. Yeah, there's a bunch of yeah, I I think it's a terrific idea because the idea is like when you're when you're coming into Colombia, how do you do business in Colombia? Mm-hmm. How do you hire people? How do you hire like open an account, opening like or just like getting money out of an ATM or something like that. Mm-hmm. When you're and when you're Colombian and you're trying to do business with a somewhere somewhere outside of the Colombia, how do you do that? Like, like because it's like <coughs> things like um, opening up for example, we're doing business right now with Argentina and I just open an account and sending money there is like a nightmare and it's a lot easier here in Colombia. When you're doing that with Brazil is another kind of nightmare. And it's a different nightmare. It's, it's a different kind of nightmare. <laughs> like you have that nightmare is because it's gonna be like a Freddy Krueger, the other one is gonna be Jason, the other one is gonna be, but it's a nightmare after all. Yeah. So it's not gonna be easy. Uh, because you have to understand everything, like, like, like for example in Brazil, money laundry there is a huge deal too. Mm-hmm. So they have a bunch of rules to protect the country from that. Those rules, you know, some of those rules will make sense. Yeah. And a bunch of others like, what the heck, what's wrong with you guys? Because anytime you get a bureaucracy, Establishing regulation, there's going to be regulations that make sense, but then there's also going to be regulations that, that don't make any sense. Yeah, and that you have, for example, like there's a bunch of models that we copy from one mm-hmm. country to another one. So, for example, the pension model is copied, the Colombian pension model is copied from Chile. Whoa. So, there's a bunch of stuff that can, is kind of similar the way we say the things, like, um, you know, like the terms that we use in the banking industry or fintech probably will be similar. Uh, and most of the things are going to be, I mean, for example, I, 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 uh, there's a couple of startups that uh, have operation in Chile with uh, digital invoicing. Mm-hmm. So they have, uh, it's already working in Chile and they're trying to copy that model into Colombia. So it's going to be a lot easier for these startups to open operations in Colombia because it's going to be the same model. They basically uh, cut down the pathway in order for yeah. other people. You, to you will understand, like, okay, I have, this is already working. I mean, when you have to explain that, 
from regulatory entities or kind of stuff like that is like this is already working in, in, in Chile for example is working like this so it's a little bit easier when you have like standardized or similar models of operation for countries yeah that is very interesting and so what about like basically in order to do business in Colombia you need to be able to accept money and anytime you accept money you've got to deal with a local bank because for example you wouldn't be able to start the company in as a Delaware C Corp in the United States and like you'd need to actually if you're doing any business at all in Colombia you need to actually start it here as well right yeah it's uh, that's uh, I mean for example when you have to when you when you're going to hire people you got a, a corporation needs to do the hiring process so there's what everybody's doing or a bunch of people is doing it like you have a C corp on Delaware because it's like the standard for for investment and everybody requires that um, and then you have a subsidiary here in Colombia, which reports all the earnings to that corporation. Uh -huh. And you do the internal operations. You don't have to like to, to be, you don't have to be like uh, printing money or like the revenue is going to be directly here. All the revenue can go straight to the states. But you got to have something here internal because, for example, just renting a place, uh, renting an office, doing a contract with a co-working space or just hiring people, it's, uh, it's too complicated if you don't have that kind of stuff. Interesting. And so to somebody right now who might be listening who's a Colombian who obviously speaks English if they're listening to it, what are the main things they have to think about if they're going to start the company here in Colombia? You have to, I mean, it's, it's going to be a beautiful journey. <laughs> it's going to be a fun journey. Uh, be patient. It's gonna be. There's gonna be a bunch of stuff like the heck is going on. Why do I need to do this? Why the tax perspective? All that kind of stuff. I I, I don't really know those terms really well. I don't speak taxes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have some, but it's easier to hire people to do that kind of stuff for you. I mean, the good thing about uh, Colombia or Latin America that it's not that good in the states. Like you can hire people to do kind kind of stuff. You can have a good lawyer. You can have a good accountant. You can have a good. Uh, like like assistant to do that kind of stuff so you can just relax and that you do your business focus on your, on your business and it's not gonna be like super expensive for example uh, a good lawyer can be let's say five hundred dollars a month one one thousand dollars a month to constantly talk regarding some other uh, stuff like a general counsel basically yeah exactly if you do like a specific process or you I need to sue these people or something like that's gonna be super expensive but mm -hmm. but you need someone to actually like hey can I do this mm -hmm. or I just supposed to be doing that an accountant is super important too because you have to like how do I receive money how do I send money how do I invoice that because it really depends for example the 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 way that the kind of service you're providing the kind of uh, technology you're providing the kind of stuff you provide you have you pay different rates for taxes mm -hmm. so it can be up to 19 percent 19 percent or 95% kind of stuff so it's you have to be really really careful with that kind of stuff mm -hmm. So basically, an accountant and a lawyer, you can get a lawyer, you get an accountant to help you do a lot of that stuff. And then for you, having experience going to the to Silicon Valley, trying to raise money, there, it seems like there's an arbitrage almost situation because here there's a lower cost of doing business. There are a lot more complexity in doing business. But then if you can, if you have access to the, to the network in Silicon Valley to raise money and you have a good idea with a lot of traction behind it, you can basically raise money there, come here and kind of set up something. Are yeah. people doing that? What's the deal with that? Yeah, so you know the, the the whole situation is that, for example, when when you when you when you're starting your business, like when let's say you have the idea, you have some basic MVP, and you will try to get some funding from from Silicon Valley, is nearly impossible because they don't 
they don't know who you are, they don't trust you, and for for an investor in Silicon Valley, just sending money to Colombia is like what? Why? <laughs> or let's say Mexico, just yeah. not to, because I think it may be, uh, sound uh, weird, but it's like it's it's a lot of friction from them from the from the general mental process like how do i do this like how do i make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing so sending money is complicated you have to you you there's an extra layer of difficulty to get investment from silicon valley into colombia when you have a, a for example rapi that raises a bunch of money it's because they they have a track record they have a reputation and they have like a proven growth uh, in general like growing on a bunch in several countries so like okay they were doing great but it's it, from a bunch of friends it's like okay i'm doing great without investment it doesn't make sense to actually raise money now that it because i'm doing whatever i want raising money is like a responsibility it's a complicated process and it, it means that you have to follow a certain structure so but for a bunch of people it's like you have to be super good and super your business has to be established and doing well but after a while, why do I need money if my business is doing like mm. you can say like escalate, escalate that business into a worldwide kind of uh, mm. operation? But does it does it apply? I mean, for example, when you when you have a business like Rapid, does it apply? Is is it the same in China or Vietnam or Philippines that it's um, Colombia and Bogota or any other city? Mm. So it's complicated. I mean, that kind of uh, layers of a structure for investment. And um, basically, nobody will trust you that easily, and that uh, you have to like constantly get there and uh, try to make sure that you have a name there. And that's the whole zero to one thing for Peter Thiel. It's like that zero to one is one of the most difficult spots. I mean, it's a it's a different level of difficulty than going from one to five. And Rappi, Rappi, by the time they raised money, I imagine they were already proved out their concept, so it was just yeah. Like, they were they were already pivoting. They were already mm -hmm. generating money. They, they they had some revenue. So it's like okay, it's it's so it's a proven model mm -hmm. it's something that I can like I can trust rely on but it's I I mean it makes sense if for example let's say I'm, I'm creating a, this new fintech this crazy idea that I'm gonna revolutionize the world I'm gonna change the world everything's gonna this is gonna be the the, the factor standard for this or that and you go to the states and you say like I have this like why I mean it's who are you yeah and now uh, I, I kind of trust you so it's really, really tricky. That's the tricky part. And YC seems to be playing, because YC has now started to do, accept a lot of founders from international. YC is starting to, I've interviewed a lot of the, the founders from outside of the US who have come to YC, and it seems like YC is putting the badge on. So if, if you get through YC, then you can raise money. Yeah, it's but it's, you're basically what you're trying to do is like, okay, I they, they there's a bunch of people acknowledging that there's a bunch of people in, in Latin America. Yeah. They're like, 100 million Mexico, uh, two, two, 300 in, in Brazil. So we have like 500 million in the in the region or three, three, yeah, something like that. So like there's a, a huge market here and uh, there's a bunch of companies that are pro uh, proving that we can actually scale and create business here. But anyway, I don't, I don't, I don't know Colombia, I don't know Mexico, I don't know Sao Paulo. So it's better, it's easier for me if I bring you here. Yeah. I know you. It's like a date. It's yeah. like I don't want to start a, mar a marriage with somebody from another Remotely. culture. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm gonna be marrying somebody from Iran or something like that. No, this it's not cool. It can be great, amazing, but I I don't know how do you eat, how do you do this, how do are you aware of my customs? So mm. they just bring the people into their plate. Let's let's play together. Let's build the, the business together and like okay, get to know each other. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. This yeah. is a lot easier. Interesting. 
Let's talk about Rappi for a moment, because Rappi is, I didn't understand it until I got here, and now I understand it, which is like you can go, you can find any product, and you can go on the Rappi, and then you can find it, and you can get somebody, a motorcycle person or a bicycle person to deliver that product, and they'll go to the store and figure it out. And it's such an interesting model, because in San Francisco or in, in the United States, we don't have this motorcycle or bicycle culture, which Medellin and many other Latin American cities have, which is like a lot of people are on motorcycles and bicycles. And, and so Amazon, Amazon in a way is doing what Rappi is doing, but at a different level because they are organizing drivers of cars and stuff like that. But Rappi basically skipped everything that Amazon did, right? And then, they, then they've now kind of like, so they're, they're, they're cutting out the middleman in a way that's unique to Latin America and maybe other... other yeah, in other cities. And, that, you know, the, the thing is that you have to understand that for us, I mean, for example, the minimum wage on, on California is like $14, $15 an hour. Mm-hmm. Here's like 2 $3 an hour or not even that. So you have a bunch of, you have a lot of labor, you have a lot of unemployment, and you have a lot of migrants coming from Venezuela mm. into the economy. So you have like, Probably there's obviously a bunch of crazy estimates, but we have like from five five hundred k to a million five hundred immigrants from Venezuela into Colombian economy, and they they don't have anything to do. Mm-hmm. So when you say like I'm gonna pay you one dollar to bring me this product from this remote store into my house, so it sounds like okay, that's an, that's income for me. That's good enough to actually sustain to to make sure that I'm like you know, generating some money for my family. So it, for, for Latin America and for a bunch of emerging economies, labor is super, super cheap. Mm-hmm. So we basically try to like um, sustain growth with labor because we can handle. And the states in Europe and the more developed economies, just hiring someone is like, no, 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 we, we better just buy this robot or this crazy machine that will do that. Mm-hmm. Not here, it's like, I don't need to invest $1 million in this certain machine on this warehouse, when I can just put three guys that will be doing that in all year long. So it's a different concept. When you think about uh, what's happening, I mean, Uber, uh, Colombia is like, they're growing like crazy in Colombia, although it's not precisely legal. Mm-hmm. When you think of, like, Rappi is not precisely legal either. Either it's like it's a it's a great area because they, they it's like what's happening in California with the with the gig economy. Mm. They're basically employees. They're trying to make sure the employees. They're trying to copy that because like there's a bunch of people Whoa. that are like not sure where they are, and uh, that's gonna be an interesting 2020 for them. <laughs> because the government is essentially gonna do something. Yeah, it's like because the government is saying like okay, there's money there, so I need to get my cut. So where's my money? They're not. They're not your employees. They're not paying taxes. They're not paying anything. Yeah. So, I need something from that. Yeah. I need something from that wow. transaction. And uh, it is. I don't know. I don't know the numbers, but there's a bunch of. I, I don't know if you you've seen. Uh-huh. There's like there's pink, uh, kind of a backpack of Rappi. You see thousands of the city. Every single time you see somebody guy walking bicycle or on a bike on a motor, motorcycle with a with a backpack, backpack like mm-hmm. that. And the outside of the shopping centers. You see 20, 50 guys waiting for an order, pick it up and deliver it to your house. This is a really good question because it's like what happens So, what happens when an emerging economy copies the freelancer model that Uber and Airbnb have essentially done? It's it's complicated that. I mean, it's you know, there's no easy answer for that because the other day I was like telling, there was a discussion with some friends here like, okay, so you're let's say you're a guy from Venezuela, you just arrived from Venezuela, you were doing some 
labor thing, a manual labor thing in Venezuela, and then you're getting here and uh, you don't have any experience, nobody to hire you, or they don't they don't need anything anyone like you. So you have to pass. So get trained into something, like actually get like pay for something in the inter development, like uh, I don't know, uh, mm. carpentry kind of stuff, some different things, or get something like Rappi or things like that. Which so is easy. Which, which is, is exactly it's easy. You don't. I don't need. I don't need an employee. I don't need a contract. Anything like anything like that. So you don't have a bike. You can get a bike here. Mm. There's actually people renting mo motorcycles here. Uh. So you pay, I don't know, let's say 20, 20, 20, uh, 20,000 Colombian pesos, which is like $7 uh, a day, but you have, you can work the, with the bike. So you don't, you don't have, there's no setup fee uh, and uh, you can start right away. The problem is that you have to work long hours, you have to work really long shifts and uh, you have to do a bunch of stuff to get your money. You're gonna get well paid according to, you know, comparing to the rest of the population, but it's not, you're not going, you're not putting any money into pension. You're not being trained. There's not, you know, there's so it's like, I'm, 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 I'm. They're making sure you have something right away, but in the long run, what's going to happen tomorrow? Let's say there's autonomous bicycle, bicycles delivering that. They don't know, uh, need this kind of people. So, what are we going to be doing with the with that kind of people? And then, the, and then the factor of the government as well seems like a big factor too. Of like, because I know that it's happening in the United States. The United States is starting to take a look at the freelancing economy, gig economy, and, and I think somebody mentioned something about Lyft. Lyft just started. Lyft, you know, the Uber competitor in the United States, just started to. Uh, offer car rentals through their app and somebody commented that they're getting prepared for what the government does and they're kind of slightly pivoting their models so that they can get because it's going to be really interesting what happens once the government really kind of starts to take a look at at this new growth and it's so interesting because i never thought about it like what is the difference between the emerging economy it looks very similar because and also i wanted to mention that not only are the Venezuelans coming to Colombia, they're also coming to the United States, and a lot of the Uber drivers in the United States are from Venezuela, and you know are like highly educated, and but they're but they're yeah they don't have any experience there. yeah yeah and they can't fit into the medical you know if they're a doctor they can't fit into the United States medical thing because you have to go through the board the chemical engineer same thing it's all these certification processes so what do they do they they ride, drive for Uber. It's really interesting. I'm not sure what's yeah, going on. Yeah, but, but there's a lot of, you know, people saying that, no, 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 that's a bad business model. That's a bad for the for the general people. There's a, there's They're basically extracting every single mm. life from the, these guys. And you say, like, okay, so what can we do with this kind of people? Mm. They're, they're, they're doing nothing. And if that goes away, if that option goes exactly. away. Exactly. So you're going to have, like, I don't know, 20% of the, of the immigrants will be jobless and uh, there's gonna be that they're not gonna doing anything and we don't have any anything to provide to them mm -hmm. and not even from ourselves it's mm -hmm. not even uh, let's keep the Venezuelan immigration just about Colombians yeah. I mean if you work in a startup if you work in, in a technology you, you live in some sort of bubble but if you like regular guy like working hard there is there's a bunch of people that doesn't have any option mm -hmm. and they're coming from the countryside to Medellin and they're exactly looking for jobs like I don't have any job. training I don't have any skills in this particular skills so I need something right away and I have a family or I need to pay for my stuff what can I do mm -hmm. so yeah long run is complicated because it's you're getting used to something that will when whenever stopped it, you will have like basic you you will have nothing but you need something right now. So yeah. there's no middle ground here. It's like long run doesn't work, but sure run works. So can we, what can we do to fix that? Mm -hmm. And that's the stress component 
because that seems very stressful for a lot of people. I mean, there's like 49 million people in Colombia, and probably like 40 million maybe are probably in that in that kind of yeah. In that. It's it's you know it's the thing about the stress is like you again when when you when you grow in the worst case scenario for a bunch of stuff. Uh, the 90s here were like crazy, mm. crazy insecure, like really, really insecure. There was explosions, there was a bunch of stuff. It was not precisely where you want your kids to be growing up, but we did, we, we did, we did grow here and uh, we did fine. So unfortunately you, you grow with certain, you like, 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 like skin that allows you to see that the world can be like super tough, but it's like, okay, it's getting better. So you're gonna see a lot of positive people here, like, okay, things are getting better, things are gonna, I mean, we're constructing this, or environment is this, or we're doing something better. So that's why you see in Latin America, when you see like the, the happiness in this, in the, in the world, worldwide, Latin America always like, like a nice place. And uh, we're not doing great economy, uh, in the economy, but we're doing like, we're, we probably see it in a different perspective. But when you start a business, you tend to see like the ha the you know the glass half full like you like okay if you're doing this because it already is a crazy idea you know the chances of failing uh, okay let's do this I'm gonna change the world I'm gonna change this with my super cool idea I'm gonna I'm gonna make I'm gonna be rich and I'm gonna be happy and I'm you know so you work hard on that the hard work part is like you 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 assume it. But then you have to deal with all the details of the people complaining or the probably some some guy wanted to leave or somebody's not delivering the quality of the, of the you know this quality piece kind of stuff so it's really really hard but you get used to it you mm -hmm. start working you you develop some sort of craving for that kind of uh, <laughs> the challenge yeah the it's the challenge because yeah. um, I mean that's in general like human beings that's what we've Kind of evolved to do is we we see the world inside of in, in terms of tools and obstacles you know and and like every time that you get an obstacle in front of you you can somehow do some jujitsu and turn it into a tool as well and like learning how to deal with all these obstacles because you're never going to live a life that is free of obstacles it's, it's just like even if you try to go into the beach and you know live there that's going to become an obstacle itself because you're not really doing anything <laughs> it's growing yeah. yourself and everything like that so i think it's interesting but then in colombia i guess it is much harder all these things are much harder, so it's like maybe ten percent, twenty percent harder than it would be in the United States. To a little more friction. More. Yeah, it's you know, it's there's there's a couple of things regarding. Let's say from the bottom of the pyramid, when you're working in, in states, you can work to you can have two jobs. Mm -hmm. It's it's normal for a bunch of people to have multiple jobs. It's not for in Colombia. It's not normal at all. I mean, probably only a small percentage of the the population will have that kind of freedom. So you only have one job, so you only have one, 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 one way to, to, one income source. And then as a, as a company, so people we are willing to actually commit to the company, commit to the bunch of stuff. But, but anyway, it's, it's complicated to get to the people because we don't, we don't have that freedom that you can get a job next door or something like that. It's, it's, it's harder here. Because you commit and then you, you're basically committed to that job for a lot longer period of time, are you saying? Yeah. Okay. Usually, yes. Yeah. 
and the the and this the way that startups grow in the United States is is because of this freedom of movement of jobs and everything like that. You can go get a job, and people will incentivize you using equity and things like that. But here in Colombia, people don't have that mindset. Yeah, we don't have that. I mean, it's when when I was hearing about the ghosting thing, like you you have an employee today and tomorrow, like, where is it? Like, no, he just he <laughs> just, just left. Why? Up. Yeah, but we're supposed to be here. No, no, no. It's not like I mean, here is a little bit different. Um, it's not as stable as it used to be. I mean, there's a bunch of people that stayed two, three, five, ten years in a single job. Now, in the technology space, especially mm-hmm. in the technology space, people are changing because there's a bunch of uh, companies coming into Colombia. So they're, they're, they're giving great rates, they're paying extra bigger salaries, so they're taking all the other talent. So for small software company, company it's going to be harder to get the talent and retain the talent. Yes, we can use things like like you know like like get some percentage of the company to split into the company and the employees or revenue share with the people, but it's gonna be. I mean, it's easier to to retain talent here. It's not like it's that easy to just jump into another job. Yeah, so that's a really interesting point, and I want to go further into that. Of essentially, so the United States went through this, and Europe went through this, and Japan went through this. Essentially, like. Uh, economy gets developed, people don't, and the job market gets much crazier in terms of people don't have to work five to ten years. You know, 50 years ago in the United States, people would, would work at, a, at one company for a long time. And then technology changes that, plus also just changes in the labor market. And what happens if, well, as an emerging economy has all of the things that, you know, are, are difficult about an emerging economy added to this kind of importation of this job market changes. Is the is the job market changes also coming to Colombia? Like are all the things that are starting to affect the United States in this way also starting to affect here as well? Absolutely. Let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, again, technology is like a particular bubble mm-hmm. because if you if you're a bus driver of your carpenter or medic, you know, rotation between jobs is not gonna be that such a huge deal. But Let's say you learn this new technology, crazy new technology. You, you you're an expert on machine learning, mm-hmm. and so you're the the super super uh, super qualified in TensorFlow. So you have that in a in a position in a, in your company. So you're paying that guy. I don't know, let's say five million. I mean, let's say two k US dollars a month, stuff like that. So there's but there's a company on Silicon Valley that is paying the same kind of guy two hundred fifty k a year. So the salary is going to be huge. So they just come here into Colombia and say like, okay, I need this kind of guy. I'm going to be paying uh, 100K a year. So it's like uh, five times what I'm paying for an, for an external company. And for them, they're saving 60% of, their, uh, of the, the income. So it's easier for you to measure the quality of this guy because you understand. So he knows this framework, this technology, this language. So I assume he's going to be a good fit. He speaks English, for example, and that is going to be a good fit with the organization. It's going to be super cheap for them. And because with the same salary in the States, they're going to get five guys. And a $10,000 a month salary here is a fortune. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. The, the minimum income here is like $200, $300. So it's like for everyone, it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I want that kind of job. So basically, basically, what's trying, what's happening is like you're you're beginning to pay crazy salaries here in Colombia, because you have to adapt for a bunch of people coming to the country. And that I think is going to that 
thing is going to expand. Whenever we hit the next recession, I think the Silicon Valley is going to do huge downsizing in Silicon Valley, and then they're going to expand their remote workforces in a way. And, and I think that will change the local economies, particularly this technology thing, which is different than you said, which is of, of doctors. And I wonder how much change, because there isn't that, I don't think in the United States there's been that much change in terms of doctors. There has been in terms of accountants and other people uh, in terms of the technology's impact on that. Uh, but I wonder how long it's going to take. It's probably not going to take as short a time as a lot of people are expecting it to take. But. Yeah, the, the thing is that obviously there's, there's going to be a, some, some data, there's going to be some type of regulation where you can only hire this amount of people remotely and this is going to be a core contractors or some other company doing some work. The problem is that it's easier for you when you hire people locally because we can be in the same room, we can just like have a meeting right now or I can go straight in and ask you. But it's, for example, for a bunch of people, what's happening in the States is a bunch of people getting a job in San Francisco. Just They just move into some other parts of the States because it doesn't make sense to live there. Mm -hmm. You know, the other day I was hearing these things like when you get 100K salary there a year, you're you're poor. You're, it's a party line. Like, what the heck is going on? It yeah. doesn't make sense. It's a bunch of money. Yeah. And the rest of the world, anywhere in the world, except probably Dubai, Qatar, kind of stuff like that, is like somebody getting that amount of money. It's, it's, it's basically a rich person. Life changing. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 you're rich when you above this certain threshold. And uh, so it's, it's, it's some sort of bubble. Uh, you know, yeah. it's like technology per se is a bubble, yes. But San Francisco is like crazy. I don't know what's going to happen. There's a bunch of people moving away from San Francisco because they cannot live there. Bus drivers, cleaning person. I mean, it's like it's so weird being there. This is getting into a little bit of a tangent, but uh, the the San Francisco is not only known for its technology, but it's also known for its kind of uh, new age therapy, dancing, yoga. All these types of things are mm -hmm. basically like a, a mixture of is happening in San Francisco. Uh, and I think they're actually related. I was I was investigating a little bit. I think the whole psychedelic revolution in the 1960s and 1970s also influenced the technology industry, and I, I know I know that for a fact. Uh, and then also created these all these two types of new therapies and the, all these new types of art and all the so all that's happening in San Francisco. Uh, and it's but anybody who's not part of technology is basically in that in that area is now fleeing. Yeah, San Francisco. They're, they're being kicked out of the city yeah. because you cannot live there. Yeah. But that's the funny part because now the technologists themselves are also running into essentially like this crisis of meaning, uh, and so they're they're not having fun with their tech jobs. So they're trying to find meaning outside of that. So they're going into this other these new age therapies and all these different things. So you, you go to this thing called ecstatic dance in San Francisco, which is just this total hippie dance. I'd say about fifty percent of the people there are technologists, but who are pretending to, or who are not wearing that on their sleeve and who are kind of yeah, just they're like, just tired of their. Day jobs. jobs, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen. I mean, when when you think about that, what's what's going on here is like the other day I was like telling the the some of the guys here like there's there's a bunch of people. What's happening in Medellin, for example, when you when you there's a there's the the, the touristic part, which is a poblado, parqueteras kind of stuff. The amount of money that you pay for a burger, for a plate, for you, means I'm like, okay, this is super cheap. Yeah, it's fine. It's perfect. For a local, it's like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Who's paying for this? Interesting. So you, let's say the other day I went to a, a, a restaurant and the price of a burger was like 30K. 30K is around $8. So $8 for you is like, okay, that's a steal because it's a nice restaurant, it's a beautiful place. But for us, like, 
there's not a bunch of people being able to pay that amount of money for, mm-hmm. a, for a burger. So everything is still, you know, the, the price of the square meter here in the nearby Jetas is like skyrocketing because basically there's a bunch of expats moving into Medellin because there's a lot, it, it makes a lot of sense for you to buy a place here. The, the, uh, I guess the, uh, uh, a normal apartment in San Francisco would be two, three million. With two, three million here, you basically spend your whole life like a, like you know like a wealthy person. Yeah, yeah. So it, it makes you think like, it, I mean, it's obviously super good for you because you can actually move in here, but for a bunch of people that doesn't work in the technology, it's crazy in the yeah, it's like how can I buy this or how can I be here? You know, it's like super complicated. And this is actually something. The reason why I came to Medellin is because uh, Medellin is also a hotspot for digital nomads, and digital nomads are a different thing than what has traditionally come to Medellin. You know, about 10 years ago, Medellin started to become popular for backpackers. But backpackers are always looking for a deal. They're not spending more than, you know, 10 days here and stuff like that. And then this new rise of digital nomads, which is specifically, I think there are three or four hotspots around the world, and Medellin is one of them. So there, and, that, and I think that digital nomad thing is just another extension of what we've been talking about, that San Francisco essentially overflow of like, oh, I've got a tech job in San Francisco. I can earn $100,000 here and be poor, or I can come to Medellin and, and be yeah, well or remotely with yeah. a seventy k for example, yeah. and uh, for a job here actually, but remote, and I'm gonna be living there like a, like a which good is, which is now rising the prices now, which I didn't exactly even exactly it right. I mean, it's there's obviously two types of travelers. There's a backpacker with, who just goes for the load. I'm gonna be buying the bread and the ham. Just <laughs> I don't need anything else, and yeah. there's gonna be one dollar here, which is super cheap. It's good. But there's an, the other kind, which is like, okay, I'm, try, I'm gonna try to invest here, mm. fancy restaurant kind of stuff. But for, I mean, it's from the general perspective, there's a bunch of people that $10 for a good meal, it's nothing. Mm. It's like, okay, that's fine. In San Francisco, I don't know, a regular plate would be 20 bucks. And that's not including 20% touch team or the or drape kind yeah. of stuff. So it's going for a fancy dinner in San Francisco would be 200, 300, $500. With five hundred dollars, you spend a month here eating in a good restaurant. Yeah. So it's it's basically you know like inflating inflating a certain weird bubble mm-hmm. here. It's it's not it, you. It's like super weird because you see a bunch of fancy restaurants with a fancy tourist, and you see cheap restaurants with a cheap tourist. <laughs> with a and both are working together. I mean, yeah. it's like because we have a bunch of restaurants here when you can buy a whole meal for two dollars, for example, two three dollars. Yeah. And they they love it, and it's super. I mean, let's let's live with ten dollars a day. They they can basically do it. Yeah, interesting. How has the digital nomad thing influenced the Colombian startup scene, if at all? I think there's a bunch of companies hiring people from the states mm. that we can get a contractor, and you're gonna good salary here because you speak English. You're gonna be able to work with a American culture in a company that has a obviously Colombian culture or Latin American culture and making sure we fit. Mm-hmm. So it's there's a bunch of people doing that. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't especially obviously if you're a, somebody working on development you're not going to get a job here because like okay I'm not going to work for that money because it's too too small. Yeah. But in a bunch of other areas mm-hmm. you can actually get a job pretty easily here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it, it has changed how we do business or how we build the companies, mm-hmm. but it certainly helps into getting someone from outside to enrich the culture of your current company. Interesting. Yep. 
So in the last five minutes or so, what is one question that I should have asked you about what we've been talking about? Five minutes, really? <laughs> yeah. It's been like, I thought it was like 15 minutes or something. <laughs> <laughs> so what is one question that I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? Uh, oh, that's an interesting question. Like, we talk about the, you know, I, 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 think, I think you should focus on the understanding the rest of the city, not only the, the beautiful parts of the city. I understand that is like, how does the regular Colombian lives? Mm -hmm. And I think that was a, that would, that would be a great exercise. Mm -hmm. And uh, just going somewhere that is not this fancy places with a fancy restaurants, with a, you know, fancy people, mm -hmm. just going like to regular Colombian or regular, you'll see, you know, this kind of favelas, the, you know, the, the, the hills, somewhere, a lot, they're safe. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of people that are safer. And you can understand there's a bunch of people willing to, to live and uh, they're struggling with a bunch of things. They're, they're not wealthy or anything like that, but they're happy. And you see a bunch of small changes mm -hmm. on their day-to-day -day lives, like a soccer field or just better roads or just a transportation, you know, like, uh, like, like the metro or some kind of stuff. It's like, oh, the, the government take, I mean, cares about those. Mm -hmm. And then you can see that you can actually generate a lot of impact on poor areas of uh, Latin American cities with a small, small, um, small investments. Mm. So it's actually how do how does the regular Colombian lives? It's actually a good a good spot. I do, you, think. do you know any organizations that I should talk to who are specifically doing anything in art or dance in, in any of these areas? Uh, I have a couple of ideas, but I'm not sure if they're actually in the the. Mm the like general world here in Medellin how okay. does it work yeah I would like to do some research on that because I lived in Brazil I lived in the favelas in Brazil and in Vigigal and in, in this favela overlooking overlooking uh, and the reason I lived there I didn't actually think about this before going there I almost got kicked out of the exchange program I was living in because they said you can't live in the favelas and I ended up living <laughs> there um, but this favela, Vigigal, was famous because all of the actors for the movie City of God um, all came from this favela. And then they made a side series called City of Men. Have you seen either of these shows? Yeah, yeah I saw the movie. City of God. So all of yeah. the actors came from there. So I ended up meeting most of the actors. And there was just like such a creativity in that, in that favela from a cinematic and art perspective. And I wonder if there's something similar no, going on. It, you know, it's beautiful that you say that because mm -hmm. you understand that that kind of reality is it actually happens mm -hmm. it happens here it happens it happens everywhere is this is not a perfect place well latin america is not like no 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 there's no guns here no mm -hmm. no there, there there are guns there are mm -hmm. dangerous places but there's there's a bunch of beauty and there's a bunch of creativity and then some weird places that you're you know not expecting yeah. there's a bunch of cultural movements happening in the roots of uh, poor neighborhoods and they're just struggling, creating a bunch of stuff with what they have, mm. which is not a lot. Mm. And that's and that's again, it's like when you understand. I actually I, I, I came from a poor neighborhood and I study in a poor school. When you see what is happening around that, it's like it's beautiful that you see people like create trying to create something, improving their lives, and uh, just doing something with the, with what they have. It's it's amazing when you see that the people with the small things, they can create a bunch of stuff. And I, I'm really interested to see and chronicle what happens uh, when technology influences that as well. So like if somebody gets a smartphone in the favela and then they're able to access educational information and they have that kind of drive, 
uh, and not everybody's going to have it. A lot of people are just going to use it for entertainment and stuff like that, and there's you know nothing wrong with that. But the but some part of the population is going to take that and get these influences of art from all over the world and then create something new. Yeah, you you basically need a role model. Mm. I mean, when you see there's a bunch of rap rappers here from the from the from the poor parts. Yeah, we don't use the term favela, but it, we can use yeah. it for the sake of simplicity. But when, for example, when you have a, a rap singer or a rap dancer or a style freestyle dancer, you say like, okay, I love rap, I love dance, and there's this guy, so I have some, I mean, if he made it, maybe I can do it. The, the thing is that when you think about the general role models, if you remember the, the, the city of God, there was this guy, which is the bad guy, and was the cool guy, because he has the, the girls, he has the gun. He basically did, he, he did some you know two or three things a month, and with that we got you know a bunch of money. We can party and a spread lot. That. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So when when you when you're a kid, when you're seven, six, nine years old, you say like, okay, there's this guy. All the girls are looking for him. He has a bike. I love bikes, and uh, he's just partying all the time. I want to be like him. Mm. And that's it. And uh, the other road is like you're gonna be like working the I don't know delivery guy for Rappi or something like that. I'm gonna be a minimum wage, so I don't want to do that. There's this guy, other guy doing that, and uh, he's not happy. And this, this guy seems to be happy. So when you work to create those kind of role models, I mean, if some some day, for example, there's a bunch of people in the development world that came from poor neighborhoods, mm. if you manage like okay, there's this guy. Who is a nerd? He's a complete nerd. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was not cool, but he is now cool. I mean, take a look at him. He's a magazine cover or something. He sold a company or or did something. Okay, I want to be like like that. Our role model is basically Pablo Escobar, people like him. Uh, yeah. And that's not good. Mm-hmm. That's the base like the role model of a bunch of people here. If let's say we go to a public school and we would say like, okay, guys. If you if you learn something like programming, you after the school you're gonna be earning I don't know let's say one thousand k a month. That's a fortune for a bunch of people, mm. and that's actually possible. Interesting. Yeah. And it's you can change life for a small with small things mm. because they you just need like the the positive role model. So in some ways, this kind of drive towards coding and the elevation of coding as a as a means towards getting a good job is really interesting because it's kind of taking some of that mind share of like looking at Pablo Escobar because you know drugs would have been the only way you yeah. could kind of get that money. Yeah, the thing is that we have to measure like the level of effort that you require yeah. to this. Everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, for example, if you if you're a cardiologist. You're gonna, you, you're basically gonna be a rock star because you're gonna have a, an amazing job, an amazing uh, pay, uh, payroll. But it's super hard to become <laughs> a, a, a cardiologist. Becoming a developer is kind of simple if you start from really small steps in the early ages, and you're gonna have like obviously you're not gonna be Paul Escobar, but you're gonna need, you're gonna be like okay, this guy. I always say like something, say something like that. You're, we're, I mean, we're driven by the ego. Yeah. So uh-huh. if it's like. If this dumbass guy did it, I, I knew that guy. He was a, he was stupid. I'm smarter. Yeah. I'm actually more qualified for him. I can do that. I'm gonna do it. It's not like it's not that hard. I mean, you don't need to be like to, to, to create a bunch of millionaire billionaires here. Just somebody like okay, he received some some attention and uh, he did something. You can actually create a real like meaningful impact in a bunch of people. That's really cool. Well, this has been really fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show. How can people find out more about what you do and what you're working on? Okay, I'm a regular guy. I'm a regular <laughs> ginger. <laughs> no, I'm on Twitter as Camilo underscore you. And uh, 
I mean, there's not a lot of Camilo Uzugas around, so it's it's easy to find. Cool. Thank you so much, Camilo. No, no, to you, man. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed this episode with Camilo. As always, please find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the major podcasting platforms and go ahead and subscribe. And if you're feeling very generous, please go ahead and give a review as well. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Stuart Alsop, III. My DMs are open. Would love to hear what you think about this episode or any of the other episodes I'm publishing. Have a great day. Thank you.